0: Welcome friends to another r nuclear revenge video, today we've got a crazy story about quartz and avocados, but first make sure to hit those like and subscribe buttons down below so you never miss any of my daily videos. That said our first story is a run in with an underground organization. My brother and I were raised in a foster home by the greatest woman on earth, we called her mom, she was old enough to be our grandmother but she raised us like her sons and she was our mother. My brother and I aren't biologically related but we were both well loved by the same woman and that made us brothers. My brother was born deaf and given up for adoption. And although he was younger than me, he was much smarter than me. He was taken in first so the two of them learned sign language together. When I joined the family, he was like the older brother, showing me the ropes around the house and teaching me to sign. He was 4 and I was about 6 at the time. My parents had just died and mom took me in. I was really well loved, so I didn't act out as much as the other kids do in my situation. Over time, I grew into my role as the older brother, protecting him from the other children and just helping him navigate the audible world. But like I said, he is way smarter than me, so I learned a lot more from him than he learned from me. I still do. We did everything together. Went to school, played sports, got into fights, hung out with girls, we were a team. He wanted to go to college, he loved history and engineering, and he wanted to do some sort of hybrid thing about the technology and weapons of the ancient world. I don't know, that stuff was way beyond me. And I certainly wasn't getting the grades to go to real college, never mind anywhere he got into. And I was okay with that. Our guidance counselors all wanted him to apply for scholarships and he definitely had what it takes to get a full ride. He said no, he'd go where I went, and all that was left was community college the truth was we couldn't afford it but mom made me promise to make sure he goes to college one way or the other so when i graduated i started working to save up money for the two of us to go to community college together i was doing odd jobs a little bit of construction work on cars bodywork repairs stuff like that after about a year my brother suggested that i start a business so that i would be intentional about what i was doing And since he's pretty much always right about these things, I did. Having a business helped me get more gigs and I was making a bit more money, but it wasn't nearly enough for both of us to study. Not even at night. Mom died just before he finished high school. She left the house, which wasn't very big, but in this economy it was a huge thing. My brother joined me in the business and that really helped move things along. Now, I know what some of you might be thinking, sweet, you got a house, why not use it as leverage to get a student loan? We're poor, not stupid. Well, my brother isn't. We'd seen what the banks were doing in our community with people who put up their houses as collateral. We were young and strong, we could work, we weren't going to risk our mother's house. Fast forward a year, the business was doing well and we managed to land a pretty nice construction contract. It required us to use some of our savings to buy a truck and some extra tools, but the payday would have put us at more than 80% of our goal to study full-time. On the night before we were supposed to start, we met with the client at their property, just going over some last-minute details. It was late when we were approaching the intersection into our neighborhood, the light was green as we approached, and I continued to cross the intersection, then the world went sideways and black. I opened my eyes in the hospital, and already I saw all of our savings vanish down the black hole called healthcare. My brother wasn't there, and suddenly all the money in the world couldn't have mattered less. I started thrashing in panic, which made the nurses come in. I was crying, asking about my brother, and they told me he'll be back during visiting hours. He'd been coming every day for the three days I'd been in the hospital. I hurt my back and got some sort of brain injury, which is why I was out for three days. When my brother finally came, he looked livid. Someone ran the red light and plowed straight through the back of our truck. Because of that we were obviously not able to get our job, and the client fired us and threatened to sue because now his project was delayed. It's not like we planned on getting our primary business asset totaled and me hospitalized, but none of that mattered. So now we had no truck, our tools were scattered across the road for homeless guys to pawn, I was injured, and we had massive hospital bills. But the best news of the day was that it was a hit and run. The guy was driving one of those armored SUVs. He went through our truck like it was drywall. The one thing he lost was his fender and a license plate, and this was the cause of all our future problems. Because we had one or two run-ins with the law, the police weren't all that eager to help my brother. We didn't do anything serious. We just got into a couple of street fights every now and then. But still, the cops weren't trying to hear anything from my brother. By the time I woke up in the hospital, it made sense why. My brother had taken a photo of the license plate just in case the cops were the usual incompetent cells. He followed up with the cops the same day we got fired from our contract because we had no other jobs lined up for at least 6 weeks. So he wanted to find the driver to get his details for the insurance because the hospital fees were going to have us broke soon. They brushed off, but he went back the next day and they were even more intent on not helping him. He decided to go look for the driver himself. He went around to some of the body shops we had done work for and said that he heard about an accident involving an SUV and wanted to know if he could pick up some work. He eventually found the car and learned who the owner was. It belonged to the son of one of the connected families in the city, which explained why the cops wanted nothing to do with it. When my brother told me this, I said let's just walk away, and just start over. That's when he lost it. While I'm normally the one with the hair trigger, my brother's temper was unmatched when got set off, so I tried calming him down just to get a sense of the situation. He wasn't having it. When he gets like that, his signing is like a one-man slap fight and because his shoulder was hurt, he was doing the sign equivalent of slurring. It was hard to keep up with, but the gist of it was this. Everything we saved up will dry up in the next few weeks, and then we'll still spend the next 10 years paying off your hospital bill, that's if you can even work again. And then, and only then, can we start thinking about college. Meanwhile, the other guy goes about his life like none of this ever happened, he'll probably pay for his car's repair work with cash he keeps in his ashtray. It didn't seem fair the more I thought about it, but what were our options? I suggested we go talk to them and ask for a little compensation, that we won't press charges or anything. My brother's response was to ask since when were two bullets more expensive than a used truck and hospital bills? So I gave in and asked him if he had a plan. He did. The way he saw it, they were going to pay us either way, but we were also going to get even. The plan was to ask for normal work, like the kind of work we've been doing. They were going to underpay us, that's just the way things worked with them, but we hoped that because of our reputation, they might think to approach us for some extra jobs on the side. That's where we were looking to make back our money. And while that was happening, we thought we might learn a thing or two to give to the feds or the papers. Make them hurt like they hurt us. In hindsight, things like that only happen in movies i was discharged after spending a week in the hospital apparently my back took more damage than my brain but i was still able to walk all the regular problems that came with back injuries became my new best friends no heavy lifting so there goes my regular work physiotherapy like i could afford that and the occasional bouts of excruciating pain but i was willing to tough it out we approached a couple of the guys from the neighborhood that we knew work for this family but they were more on the fringes They were able to get us a meeting with someone who can make the decisions that will get us jobs. The guy who eventually started handing us jobs wasn't near the top of the organization, but you could call him the operator of the legitimate side of the business. It started off with a few pickup jobs on construction sites, but at half the rate we normally charge our clients. We did good work, and that rarely goes unnoticed. This eventually led to us being taken to job sites in residential areas where we were asked to case some homes, give details on the comings and goings of the residents, and even the layout and potential vulnerabilities of the home. This led to late night stripping of cars and the occasional delivery of packages. Things became serious when we were asked to make a collection. It was the kind of opportunity we were hoping for, something that would get us on the inside so we took it. It went well, people paid. My brother and I weren't small guys and we already had a bit of a reputation, but I think what really convinced people was that we were an odd pair. He'd stand there, mute, glaring at them, and I'd sign him all their excuses. We'd have a conversation in front of them, and then I'd turn to them and apologize saying my brother wasn't happy with their reasons, so I'd leave them to him. They paid. We didn't need to do that bit because my brother was an exceptional lip reader. He just enjoyed people not knowing and underestimating him. Of course, one day we had to make good on our word when someone decided they're not going to pay. This changed everything. He was an old man we knew from around the neighborhood. He bet on anything and everything. We had paid him a visit once before and he promised us the money. Most of the time we were reasonable and gave them a day or two, especially if we knew them. In this case, he lied to us. Someone saw him at the dog track making a lot of bets. A lot of losing bets with money he wasn't supposed to have. So we made another house call. Going in, we knew we were going to hurt him. In our minds, he brought it on himself. First, he lied to us. He took advantage of our generosity and then lost the money we were supposed to collect. Second, he was a degenerate anyway. What was he doing with his life? We were trying to build something, make something of ourselves. He was just wasting away his family's chance at a better life. We went in thinking that and broke every bone in his left hand, his forearm and dislocated his shoulder. We got our money three days later and no one ever tried that with us again. This got us in the room with people who made decisions. We still weren't near the walking phallus who totaled our truck but we started to learn things about the organization. By this point, we'd almost made back all the money we lost. We weren't spending it on chains, booze, or women. We had a goal, and we were sticking to it. But the sweet nectar that was to be our vengeance was starting to drip into our hands. Well, into my brother's hands. Because people knew he was deaf, but didn't know about the lip reading, they tended to say things in front of him when I wasn't around. I'd be in the toilet, or forget something in the car, or whatever reason I could think of to leave the room and tiny morsels of info would drift my brother's way. We kept a journal of everything he saw. Names of people, places, products, scores, scams, whatever they mentioned. Then one day, someone mentioned a time and place that a particular illicit activity was going to take place. We saw this as our opportunity to get the press or the cops involved. By this time, something in my brother had changed. He'd show a calm face when he was around them but as soon as we were alone his rage was torrential. He wanted to hurt all of them, not just the boss's son. I didn't know what to do and I went along hoping he'd snap out of it. He saw this new information as a chance to bring other players into the game, ones who would make better use of this info. We were careful to hide our tracks and stay anonymous, but we made sure that the time and place of the gathering fell into the hands of individuals who cared a little for the organization. It was a one-night only, high-stakes, underground poker tournament. By all rights, we didn't know about it, so obviously we weren't invited, but a rumor made its way to some armed men who happily picked the place clean. There were no casualties that night, but the cage was rattled. We went about our normal routine, making collections, working sites, and asking no questions. We get summoned by a decision maker who tells us that due to recent events, The organization had to recompense some very serious individuals that had put a strain on the cash flow. We were to start making collections from some larger account holders and to do so ahead of schedule. The amounts we were to collect would have taken us 10 years to make. But we showed up, made some veiled threats, and came back a few days later for a large bag of cash. About the third such collection, my brother's rage began to surface again. We would be able to afford much more than community college with just one bag that we collected. If we did that, we'd be dead men or on the run for the rest of our lives. We needed a scapegoat. There was another pair of guys who also did collections like we were. My brother happened to be in the room when they got one of their assignments. It was a fat bag they were collecting as well. We surreptitiously passed this information along to the individuals who unwittingly served us the last time. The plan was to do our collection on the same day as them and claim that we were done in just as they were. We did the collection and then beat the heck out of each other before hiding the money. We then showed up looking pitiful, only to hear the news that our colleague suffered a fate worse than ours. We pretended to be shocked and outraged of course and corroborated what the witnesses saw. The organization struck that night, it was a massacre. A week later, my brother and I went in to say that we were out, that we had just wanted to get back on our feet, and that the violence was more than we could take. They did not take kindly to that. We were told that once we're in, we're in for life. The mood in the room was a little more than awkward. We were offered an escort out of the building and a ride home. Nobody was pointing guns yet, and we weren't carrying, but we were confident we could still muscle our way out once we were on the street my brother was the first one out of the building and the first to get shot it seems that some of the individuals whom the organization tried to deal with survived the assault and chose to retaliate the son of the head of the organization showed up at my brother's funeral to pay his respects and to let me know that out of respect for what happened to my brother the organization allowed me to walk away he didn't recognize me how could he but there he was standing in front of me And right there, I realized what actually killed my brother. I left and went to college to study psychology to become a counselor. I realized that I failed my brother when I didn't see how much pain he was in over mom's death. I didn't help him grieve in a healthy way, and that led us both down a dark path. I can only pray that what I do now helps prevent a repeat of our history. I'm not going to lie, when I got into the story, I was kind of lost in it. It was like a reading what went down in like a really entertaining Sopranos episode. Do you think you'd be enticed to do something crazy or harmful to another person when you could stand to walk away with thousands and thousands of dollars? Or do you think that's just ridiculous? Let me know what you guys think down in the comments. And our final story of the day is avocados and a court case. My neighbor and I have been at war for years. I don't know who started it, but I ended it. The whole thing started with a tree. My neighbor had a massive tree in his yard that would shed like a kid with dandruff scratching his head. The tree was a menace. It stood on the boundary fence between our houses and towered over each one. When shedding season came along, I spent almost every weekend either cleaning my pool or cleaning my gutters. The pool was less of a concern than the gutters. We'd get a lot of rain in the fall, and the last thing you want is clogged gutters. As much as I hated it, there wasn't much I could do about it. It was a big tree, and my neighbor didn't control where the leaves fell. The problem was, it was also a fruit-bearing tree, and my neighbor wanted all the avocados that grew on his tree, even the ones that hung over and fell on my side of the fence. Now, if he had offered to clean my pool and gutters, used his own garbage bags and tools to clean up after his tree... I'd have said sure, take your avos, but he didn't. This may or may not have had something to do with the fact that as children, my brother and I were quite rowdy. We rode our bikes in the street and may have broken a window or two playing hockey in our backyard. Whatever the reason, he insisted that nature was nature and that he didn't control it, but that the tree was on his land so the fruit were his. Now depending on where you live, the law has various things to say about this. But where I'm from, the law was pretty clear, if the leaves fall on your side, you clean it. And if the fruit even so much as hangs into your property, it's yours. He didn't want to hear any of that, so we handled it like all neighborly people in the world would. We went to court. He sued me first, but he was cheap on top of everything else, he chose to file the entire action himself. I obviously had a countersuit which went through attorneys. The law on procedure is apparently clear on this that once you have an attorney, all papers should be filed with them. But this nimrod decided to appear at my house at unreasonable hours to serve the various documents for the case. So before we could actually hear the matter regarding the tree, we first had to go to the motion court to stop him from serving on me firstly, and then coming to my house at ungodly hours. We won that fight but the costs for it were pushed onto the actual case about the tree. When matter finally appeared before a judge, he presented the most ludicrous argument for why he should keep his avos, but not have to clean up the leaves, but also that we had to collect them and turn them over to him. He also demanded that we pay him for all the avos that we kept that fell into our yard. The judge disagreed and said that either he should clean them up and collect them or let it all go. All the costs came to us. Yay? No. He never came to clean up or collect, nor did he pay the costs of our attorneys. Instead, he said that since we've been getting the Avos for free, we can deduct them from our costs. He still demanded that the Avos that fell into our yard should be returned to him. And back to court we went. I don't know how the judge was able to stay so calm while explaining to a grown man why he couldn't use avocados that fell into someone else's yard to pay off legal fees that he owed them, and that demanding the avos be returned to him was in defiance of a court order. So, the judge ordered him to pay us again, but this time they ordered that the portion of the tree that hangs over into our yard be removed at his expense. Yay? No. No. Remember when I said that he was cheap? Well, he was really, really cheap. He decided to do the trimming himself from his yard. So the next week, while my wife and I were at work and my children were at school, he got onto his ladder and into the tree and started sawing away at the branches. The branches that extend over the roof of my house. I came home to a new skylight. It rained that week. We spent the next six weeks living at my brother's place while the roof was fixed, and the floors redone. We didn't have any furniture for the next six months. And back to court we went. His argument this time was that he didn't have a choice because he wasn't allowed to come into my yard due to the court order from the first case stating that he can't serve papers on me anymore. The judge wasn't amused. He was ordered to pay for the damages to the house and the cost of anything that was damaged in the house by the rain. Yay? No. Cheap, remember? He wanted receipts and invoices for materials and labor and for when the house was first built, because that was the cost of the damages. He also wanted receipts for the stuff in the house damaged by the rain. Hi-ho, hi-ho, it's off to court we go. And now the judge had to explain to a grown man why the claim for damages comes from the cost of repairs, and the furniture and things had to be replaced at the price they cost today, not the price they were bought at, which is what the amount in the original court order accounted for. We got our costs. This time it seems like he didn't have the money, he still hadn't paid off the full cost from the last two matters. His options were to have a garnishee order on his salary, or to sell his assets. His only asset was his house. He chose to have the E on his salary which meant that every month until everything was paid back to us, 30% of his salary was going to come to me. There was no way he was getting around this order and it was going to take years to pay it all off. In the meantime we got some nice new furniture and the value of the house went up because of the repairs done. This didn't improve the relationship of course. He was careful not to speak to any of my family as he knew we weren't afraid to go to court. And it also seems that the system was on our side. But things started happening soon after that. It was innocuous at first. My garden hose went missing and some of my gardening tools. The tires on both my wife's and my car went flat around the same time. We found nails in all of them. My tool shed was broken into and stuff was taken and then there were the noises outside my children's bedrooms. I knew it was him, but I had no way of proving it. My family was beginning to feel unsafe and my wife was talking about moving out. That was not an option for me. I grew up in this house and I wasn't leaving. I decided to increase the security around my house and get a dog as well. The incident stopped, everyone was happy again and my children even more so because now they had a dog. Until one morning we woke up and found the dog poisoned. That was it for me. I'd been toying with the idea for a while and I never really considered doing it until that morning. That same day, I went out and bought some poison that I read about while doing my research. Over the next few weeks, I'd go into my yard late at night and start exposing the roots of the tree that had come under the fence onto my side. I'd water the area around the roots and dig out the wet sand until the root had nothing to hold on to. I made sure to cover them with fake grass so that it didn't show. I also began loosening the ground near the fence so the fence would give way. I'd then sneak over to his side and poison the roots of the tree on his side. After a few weeks, the tree began dying on his side of the fence and the roots on my side were completely exposed. The tree started leaning, and one day there was a loud boom. The tree fell onto the house and demolished it. He had to move away into some place he could afford, minus the 30% of his salary he still pays me. Over the past few years, I've actually read a few stories involving neighbors and in trees and fruit trees. One thing I've learned is don't mess with a neighbor's tree because tree law can be pretty darn serious depending on where you're at. As far as all the stories I've heard I think OP's laws here are pretty generous and I think OP was just lucky that the neighbor had literally no money left to do anything with because if they caught on maybe they could have done something against OP but they probably didn't have any money to bring it to court again. But with that being said that's all the time we have for today. Now if you want to hear another revenge story that was crazier than anything you've heard in this video click on that left video. Or if you missed my latest video and you want to check that out, click on the right. But with that said, I'll see you all next time with some more stories.